started in hard times to bring us all in into the laughter through thick and through thin for public power. Welcome to a special buzzed history recording of Public Power Underground. I'm the host, Paul Dockery. I'm recording with three energy experts and historians. First is Crystal Ball, the executive director of the Pacific Northwest Utilities Conference Committee. Hello, Crystal. Hi, Paul. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We we should probably introduce the space. We're in Keys Lounge. This is pretty cool ambiance. It's a great ambiance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, located in the on Killingsworth. Northeast side of P-Town. That's right. In a, in a historic <laughs> locksmith. Historic? Locksmith. Oh, building. there's a That's, theme going on here. Was, yes. Is there a theme? Okay. That's good. That's perfect <laughs> if there is. Next is Shauna McReynolds, an early friend of the underground, which I Absolutely. dearly appreciate. Yep. And Big fan. Executive Director Emeritus of Peanut. Hi, Shauna. Oh, that's a good name, title. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me, there's, Paul. This is really fun. Also a, a complete person, not just to be ascribed by the form of titles. You are a complete person yeah. with children. And yeah, lives and dog and absolutely yeah, so whole thing. Just be yeah, and it took it. me a little bit to find this place. Yes, <laughs> it's on the other side of town. It's a really nice little hole in the wall. Yeah. It's really cool. <laughs> it's really nice. I brought my I brought my key. I need a copy of. Oh, there we go. That's exactly <laughs> what they do here. Okay, lounge. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Lastly, our special guest star, Mark Orenshaw. There's there's an applause button and everything. Oh, okay. <laughs> Mark is the outgoing executive edis- editor of the industry news publication and production partner of Public Power Underground News Data. Uh, I put this together really to celebrate your contributions to Public Power Underground and the industry and your wealth of history and knowledge about our industry that we love. Welcome, Mark. Thank you, Paul. It's great to be here. And yeah, I guess I am. I've lived some history, which means I'm old. But thank you. You know, it's a privilege. It's a privilege to have the honor of making it through all that lived history. And I think today is your last official day? It's my last official day. Uh, News Data will have a new publisher on uh, Monday. I'll be around for a few more days to uh, help him get settled. So there's but, something uh, we should be watching for in today's edition? There actually might be something in today's okay. clearing up that might involve something with this transition, yes. All right, thank you. I can't re- wait to read the news. I know, maybe our phones online. will blink while we're... Oh, that's true, it's already out. It is already out, it is. Yes, because now we should do a promo for news data. Yeah. You can get the digital version <laughs> earlier. <laughs> exactly. Oh, they're going to be very proud of us, Mark. They're going to be so proud of us. Okay. What way to go on your last day. That's right. No, yeah. you, you never stop marketing, right? That's yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, we're doing a buzzed history of the electric industry on today's recording because it felt slightly irreverent as a slightly irreverent way of celebrating Mark's history in the industry while providing some infotaining value to our listeners. Um, I've been reflecting on all the context it takes to productively participate in regional conversations from the acronyms to the statutes and the myriad of rationale for things that have been decided along the way. So today... We're going to start the journey in as infotaining a way as we can muster uh, with an an acronym anagrams. Acronym anagrams. You made up the term. You need to say it right. I need to say it right. Acronym anagram. Yes, and Crystal, you gave me some bananagrams, uh, the game for... Children and adults. Absolutely, children and adults. Yes. It's a fun game. You let the kids play with you? The kids beat me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I have to I have to just chime in here. You Please. don't you don't know this. 
But at Pinock, we had a rule for a long time. Besides the word Pinock, <laughs> we were a no acronym organization. I, I honor that. That's yeah. a good way to do it. So, you know, if I'm kind of slow here, I, I already have my backup excuse. Yeah, I think we should, more of us should be no acronym, anti-acronym organization. Yeah, except for Pinock. It's just too much of a mouthful. And it's fun to say. <laughs> you know, one of my pet peeves, I will share this, I think I've shared it on the podcast before, is when an organization goes from, you know, an acronym that actually means something to just the letters. Yeah. Because some organizations will do that. They'll just go. This is they, really random. The, you know who did that? Who did that? The FFA. The FFA is no longer the Future Farmers of America? No. no. And you know that because? I lived it. I, I have served on uh, boards that figured that out, decided that, not me. Okay, so you're partly to blame is what I am nope. I was gonna, I, I thought could, it was because your daughter has a, a dairy farm. She does, okay. and she did the FFA. She did the FFA. Yeah. Okay, your daughter was a future farmer of America. And now she's just an FFA now member. she's just an FFA member. This is a good way to explain the game we're about to play, okay, yep. because what we're doing is acronym anagrams. And, but that means we're going to reshuffle the letters in an acronym. So for, down. for FFA, I would say I've, I've randomly scrabbled them to other other words, right? Mm. So for FFA, I'd say AF. And mm. then you would have to uh, raise your buzz in. Yeah, I'm buzzing in. You're buzzing in. FFA. I don't know if we'll actually FFA. do a buzz or not. And then you would say FFA, which yeah. stands for? Was Future Farmers of America. <laughs> <laughs> And part of the context for this is that News Data has an entire webpage. We do, and I have no excuse for not knowing any energy acronym because, yeah, it's on our website. Reference it if you need acronyms. Why, it's a good start. Why don't we have that up as a cheat? We should. Because <laughs> that would be cheating. Pull up your phone. I'm in favor of that. I, I, Google every, that. I Google everything. But I did use it for this game. Oh, yeah. okay. So it was so the source of the acronym. Well, we're gonna, I mean, I was on favor, but that doesn't mean I'm necessarily going to win. Just yes, like in sports, We are going right? to judge him if he doesn't. I mean, obviously. It is a celebration, and that includes some judgment, maybe? I don't know. I, We'll consider yeah. it a roast. How's that? Uh, yeah, there we go. Okay. Oh, I like that. Go. <laughs> a roast, okay. yes. So um, we're gonna we're gonna do this acronyms. If you get it, if you say it first and you get it right, you don't have to drink, and the other two have to drink. <laughs> if you try to buzz in and you get it wrong, then you have to drink. Okay, because it is buzz history, and that felt like a decent way to do. Got to get buzzed while <laughs> we're buzzing. This is a fun drinking game. We're getting yeah. buzzed. Maybe a little buzz. too drinking gameish, but we're gonna lean into we'll it. We'll be this good. Is, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, we're celebrating, Mark. It's fine. I'm retired. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I'm taking vacation. Um, to be clear, I'm taking vacation. I started my day really early. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The first one, CD. CD? DC. DC. Y'all drink. Y'all broke the rules. You got it right. What does DC stand for? Direct current. There we go. Okay. I wasn't <laughs> ready. You don't have to drink. You got it right. <laughs> so did Maybe I. Maybe we shouldn't wow. I don't know. Maybe Crystal's that was going to be a formidable competitor. <laughs> Okay. She, she's very competitive. No one's we're gonna ever go said with, that about me. We're, we're going to do it. We're starting easy. RD. DR. Okay, what's it stand for? You have to hit the buzzer. You have to hit the buzzer. There we go. What no does it idea. stand for? She doesn't Dude, know. Drink. Demand response. There we go. Demand oh. response. There we go. I'm out of practice. I thought you said VR. Okay, VR. okay oh, yeah. That would be we're video review. Um, Actually, if I'm retired, it stands for doctor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
You would have gotten that wrong because these are all Western energy acronyms. Okay, ODE. O-D? ODE. Um, you didn't give us the letters, but I'm thinking oh. it's O-D-E. And so I'm saying D-O-E. Yes. And yes. what's that stand for? Department of Energy. That's right. Krista, you're killing this game. Yeah, you have to give us the letters, Paul. <laughs> Is that how this game should be played? Okay. Are you ready? Okay. Uh, P-H-C. Okay, y'all get it wrong. Y'all get it wrong. Oh, C-H-P. Oh. Yes. <laughs> What's it stand for? Combined heat and power. Yes. Oh. Mark nailed it. Okay. Not California Highway Patrol. But it could be that <laughs> but too. But it could be. Okay. I'm, I'm going to, this one, I'm just going to say it and then I'll give you the letters if you don't. Okay. okay. Fuss. F-U-S-S. F-U-S-S. I know. Like I'm trying to scramble okay, in my lose. mind. U.S. Fish and Wild. U.S. Forest Service, USFS. Oh. Okay. okay. Ready? I'm fine. Oh, Maw. drink. Yeah, you all got a drink. Ham. Maw. M-A-W. Oh, megawatt oh, average. H- I buzzed. You buzzed. Average megawatt. <laughs> yes. Nailed it. Average <laughs> megawatt. I gave you the answer first. <laughs> I knew that one. I knew that one, too. But Crystal was a millisecond quicker. Okay. Ready? Well, next one. This ready is, for next you're one? really tricking us. Yeah, that's the whole game. (laughs) It's meant to be fun. Okay, D-O-R, door. Rod. Oh, Rod. Record of decision. Yeah, you are buzzing, but the rest of you got to drink. Sean, you know how to do it. Well, my drink's in the way of my buzz. Which you want me to do? Spill a drink on the buzz? I know, I don't want you to spill a drink. Okay, this is is for the the gold medal. Okay? Okay. Krepsi Y, Rab. Oh my gosh, I buzzed, but now I'm going to have okay. to come up with it. Okay, Krepsy Wire. You, okay. you each get a chance. You each get a chance. I want okay. the letters. Okay. Uh, that's a good one. Let's uh, write it down. You are Googling this answer, are you, Crystal? No, I'm not. Oh, it's automatically disqualified. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm not giving you the letters to Krepsy Wire, actually. Okay. I'm not giving you the letters. C R E P C. Okay, you got that? Yeah. W I R A B. Yes. Yeah, okay, well, you got that right. Okay. Um, it's a council of regular. Uh, mm. Okay, go, Mark. Okay, Committee on Regional oh. Electric Power Coordination. Uh, oh, no. Oh, I'm just drinking. Win. I know, but I have no idea because I don't know what the letters are. Yeah, you want, Ed, you want a second guess? <laughs> no. Second guess? Second guess? You, you want a second yeah, guess, Mark. Yeah, you, got, Take you it away. got really close. Win the day, Mark. Win the, win the day. Committee on Regional Energy planning uh, council. Electric planning. Uh, commu- I know. I think I, I know why, Rap. Western Interstate Regional. Uh, oh, geez. Okay. Yep. This is uh, this is a good one. I gave That's you the one. Good. Western <laughs> Interstate <laughs> Regulatory. No. No. It's the <sighs> Committee on Regional Electric Power Cooperation. Cooperation. Co-op. Okay. You were really close, Mark. Western Interconnection. Regional Advisory That's Body. That's the I, Western Interconnection. Yes, not Western Interstate. It's That's right. like a mouthful. That's not an That's why acronym. everybody calls it Krebsy Rye Rab. That's why you call it Krebsy <laughs> Well, I can't even say that. Coming to Seattle this fall. I'll be there. Will Her, you be there? Uh, maybe, maybe. Should yeah. I get, should I go? Yes. There'd be fun people there. I don't know if I'll. Be fun should people. go. Okay, it's good, good advice. Okay, are you all ready? We got through the acronyms. You oh, ready to get golly. into history? Oh, that was it. Oh, okay. We could keep going. I, no one, by the way, no one won the gold medal. Well, no, but yeah, Crystal well, answered the most questions, right? So. Oh, she just buzzed faster. 
presenting sponsor of Public Power Underground is the Energy Authority. The Energy Authority is a nonprofit company that specializes in portfolio management and prides itself on leading communities through today's energy transformation. Owned by Public Power Entities, TEA is more than just adjacent. They're as underground as it gets. TEA is on a mission to help clients maximize the value of their assets while meeting their power supply goals. By providing expertise in energy trading, advanced analytics, advisory, and renewable solutions, TEA equips public power utilities with access to state-of-the-art resources and technology systems so they can respond competitively in the changing energy markets. With over 60 other public power utilities proudly partnering with TEA to tackle their energy future, it's time for you to consider breaking ground too. Let TEA help you navigate the uncertain future of our industry by visiting TEAINC.org to learn more. That's TEAINC.org to learn more today. So we're going to get into the deep questions. Deep, deep, to okay. get into it, we brought the Public Power Chronicle, which we want to give credit where credit is due. Public Power Council commissioned the Public Power Chronicle. Um, long time ago. Long time ago. <laughs> and it was, I think, a writer from News Data. I it think. was. Ben Tansy was the original writer. I think it's been added on since Ben's time. Yeah. Well, the Public Power Chronicle is a guide to public power in the Pacific Northwest for the 21st century. Got a hard copy here. Thanks to Karen Heim. I, I had the thought when I was doing my homework for this little project um, that this is well done and we could use another decade worth of information. Yes, we could. I wonder who might be leaving a job that's a great writer. Yeah, they could probably dig into that. Probably has some history already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Make me an offer. I can't refuse. <laughs> Leading question. Leading question. So in the back, in the back, it goes from 1832 to 2013, as noted before. It stops at 2013. And there is a series of milestones that are of importance to the region and in the industry in the region. And the first thing we're going to do is based on these milestones, we're going to I'm going to ask each, each of you to tell me what your top three of these milestones for importance to the region, how you would rank them, not not chronologically, but in order of importance. And I'm going to start with you, Mark, on what's your top one? Ooh. What's your top of all of the events that are chronicled? <laughs> well, I'm going to think a little, maybe go a little bit out of the box and say the decade of the 1930s, which was, as I think you all know, and many of your listeners, when uh, BPA was created, when the the major federal dams were first uh, launching when the Washington PUD uh, formations were were authorized um, and really kind of kicked off rural electrification in the in the mm -hmm. Northwest and it's really the origin story of much of the present day regional energy system. So I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna say the decade of the 30s. I know that's not s strictly speaking answering your question. I but know it, which is a journalist. I don't know how you get away with that. <laughs> I don't know if I should let you get away with it, but you're retiring. <laughs> So I'll just go through the 30s just to, to ground everybody. Yeah. So in 1930, Washington and Oregon voters approved initiatives approving the creation of PUDs. Very important milestone. 1933 was the construction beginning on Grand Coulee Dam. In 1936, we have the Rural Electrification Act. In 1937, we have the Bonneville Project Act. And in 1939, Alcoa builds the Northwest's first aluminum plant. Why so, didn't you use Alcoa as a anagram? Oh, that would have been a good one. <laughs> it, so this is not a thing I know. 
Is that an acronym for something? It's just a company to me that's named Alcoa. Aluminum Company of America. Okay. These are new things that I'm learning. (laughs) I want to make clear in here, it's just a capital A and then Alcoa. So this would make it perceived to me as if it is not Not an acronym. an acronym. It is a, it's just the name of a company. Uh, You should, you should have buzzed for that. (laughs) That's right. Can we start the game again? The anagram game? I know. I love this. He wins the gold medal. Anybody else have the 1930s or any of those milestones on there? Is it? You're yes, nodding, Crystal. Which I of am. those? What yeah, of those? And we didn't okay. even compare notes. Okay. Um, and I was more true to the rules, and okay. I picked 1937. 1937, the yep. Honorable Project Act. Yes. Yeah. Was yep. that your top? Where on your list was it? It was at the top. Uh, it really was. 1937 yeah. really changed the region. Yeah. Um, uh, the Bonneville Dam was con- uh, finished, completed, mm-hmm. right? And then um, Congress created the Bonneville Power Administration. Um, it was the beginning of rural electrification and preference. And then right after came the um, uh, 1938, I believe, was the uh, finishing of the Grand Coulee Dam. Okay, so it began in 1933 and it finished in 1938. Yes. Not on the milestone, just knowledge and history you bring. Wow. Yes. That's awesome. (laughs) Okay, was was any of the 1930s on your list? Um, No, but that doesn't mean I don't agree. It's right. No, that's fine. Right. I mean, I don't. It's all... It's very significant part, but yep. to what? me, to me, that was the essence of creating the industry we're talking about today. Yeah, okay. and so it's born, yep. and then I'm yeah. looking at the things that have framed it since then. Okay, what's the top of your list? Um, Energy Policy Act of '92. Energy Policy Act of 1992. And only because I can remember. It shows up on 1982 in here. I know. It does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's one of the she did her homework. No, yeah. I no, actually she knew. that before. No, yeah, I, I just, it, I really remember that era. And I remember coming to our meetings and everybody was frozen in time. We had the, the, the just quiet people. This has all happened. And there's new rules enacted that we're going to be direct. Um, deregulate and we're going to split up our companies and we're going to not be in a vertically integrated anymore. And there were antitrust issues talked about and people just came to our meetings and just froze. And we'd come back from the off to the office and go, well, that was uh, interesting. Cause they couldn't talk they or they d- didn't think they, they could. didn't, they were needed to figure out what they could say and how they could work together. And it wasn't the way they did business before. Right. Um, I never was in the room, but I know when there was a time and somebody needed power from somewhere, there were these organizations set up and they could pick up the phone and, hey, can I have, and they just talk to each other and then they would figure it all out after the fact yeah. and get, they'd serve their customers. Didn't matter whether you're public power or investor owned, if someone had power and somebody needed it, they got it where it needed to be and then they worked out the details. And to me, that was a huge shift in trying to figure out how to do business and the, Symptom was this absolute silence in the tables. Like they just didn't know what they could what they could say. Yeah. you know they were just it, they was they were puzzled. So anyway. is that the origin of every at every peanut meeting we start the yes. uh, the meeting with the, the antitrust? Yeah. Is that the origin story for the antitrust it, statement? It's in that it's in that era. Yeah, yeah. that's really absolutely that's really yeah. Cool. yeah. It's good to have that history. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anybody else have the Energy Policy Act of nineteen ninety? on their list. Boy, I didn't, but I should have. Um, yeah. This is not a should have thing. We're all good. They're all great lists. Well, they're all good milestones, right? And they're all yeah. good milestones. Yeah. They're, all, they're all important. Uh, wh- oh. What was number two, Mark? Oh, I'm you- sorry. I just want to go real quickly. 1930, I think you mentioned 1939 Alcoa. 
Yeah. Right. And I know I'm pretty sure you all know and others know that uh, Alcoa was one of the major uh, forces for winning World War Two with Northwest Hydropower creating, I believe, the B-52s. He's I think still marketing. Familiar. No, no, no. I'm not talking about news data. I'm talking about, <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking about He's promoting the Northwest. Yeah. Promoting the Northwest. Oh, no, yeah. that's okay. good. You can keep yeah. doing that. So just a little historical tidbit. Sorry. Yeah. 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 So it was yeah. that, that this was the first of many. More mm-hmm. than one. Yeah. And then it was yes, the exactly. construction of the these aluminum correct. power yep. plants yeah. mm-hmm. and the construction plants. Can, what else heavy. is on your list? So what's uh, what's number two on your list? Your number, number one was... Yeah, number two on my list is the 1980 Northwest Power Act. Okay, 1980 was, yeah. Northwest Power Act. Mm-hmm. Yes. And what's included in the 1980 Northwest Power Act? Let me <clears throat> let me uh, reference the, the summary <laughs> here. Uh, it's the North Pacific Northwest Electric Power Planning and... Conservation <laughs> Act is signed into law creating the Northwest Power Planning Council, which would later become Northwest Power and Conservation Council. Thank you to Larry Cassidy. Okay. Member oh, for Washington, changing it. Washington member. <clears throat> and it also sets the standards for BPA requiring regarding acquiring resources and setting rates for the sale and disposition. And people forget about energy. that. What setting the standard. For BPA acquiring resources. Okay. Yeah. That standard that is to plan for adequate resources to meet the net <laughs> hourly load. Maybe that, yeah, adequate planning is a really important part. Or that the council has any role of it, I guess, is my point. Yeah. Yeah. That because of the act, the council has some right. I guess maybe people don't forget about it. Maybe people in, maybe people today just don't know about it. Yeah. Okay. And that's what we're doing here. Yeah. And informing oh. people about the importance By of looking the Northwest back. Power and Conservation Council. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Well, and it created um, uh, the power plan, uh, right? Uh, 20-year power planning in the region. Um, but it also uh, gave BPA uh, that mitigation uh, responsibility for fish and wildlife. Uh, so two things there, the uh, power planning and then fish and wildlife mitigation. It was, yeah, I, I learned about this um, really, you know, coming into the industry, um, but being in Washington, D.C. and thinking about how things uh, get done there. And you really have to have, you know, somebody in a strong position to be an advocate for that kind of thing. And we had at the time um, Senator Mark Hatfield, uh, and he was in a very powerful position. And um, it's one of the reasons why uh, Congress was able uh, to unite around that idea um, and that Senator Hatfield was able to push that through and get support for it. Um, and I don't know if there has been a time since uh, that the that. delegation has been as powerful. Yeah, I would agree with that. So that's why it's on my list. That's a very good number too. Anybody else have that on their list? I went outside the box again. You keep going outside the box. We're <laughs> and just, it's I, I had the, the, I had the whip. I had the whip stabicle, which I know we're going to talk about, but that helped precipitate leading to the act. So, Crystal, great summary of the act and a lot of its important features. But the whip, stu- uh, I think, helped precipitate that. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I I have it on my list. Okay. And it was really a you know, tough decision for one or place. First place or second place, but for multiple reasons. Um, one is pretty personal because as you as the council was formed and the utilities who were very involved in in developing the Power Act, right, and all of their lobbyists and whatnot, um, the utilities decided they should have a staff. And so the system planning office was formed, formerly known as 
uh, that was the first version of PNUC because we were the system planning group. And so system planning office was opened and a staff of one and two grew to almost uh, 30. It was 30 at one point in time to, to, they thought somebody should probably be watching that, that council and what they were doing. Yeah. And then I would add um, utilities were already doing some planning, but I do believe um, I would say, especially from the early years that, the work at the council staff really added some form and structure to planning. I think the utilities fed off of that. And okay. I don't know if I was very familiar with what the utilities were doing ahead of time, yeah. but I think that there was a good synergy that got created by the, th the way the council was laying it out and thinking about it. And maybe they were mimicking what the utilities were already doing and vice versa. But I think there was some really good development in that resource planning world and that the council staff um, really put a lot into that and really added value and we were tracking that so um but for that that act i wouldn't have had a job <laughs> yeah. so it was number two on your list yeah and um, i would say that's why it was number two on my list too shauna you're talking to me about the history of peanut and how it was very closely associated with uh the council and why it made number two on my list because I, I did want to dig a little bit and i don't know if this is a formal history of peanut but the concern associated with the northwest power and conservation council being formed out of the act um, which would give bonneville some guidance on how to acquire resources and the utilities am i interpreting this right the utilities wanted to make sure that they had um input is it a is it in some ways a way to be a stakeholder within the council's uh process is that how it was thought of because I, I don't know that i knew this before just now i'm learning this actually i think i learned it a little bit over lunch and prep for this but i wanted to tease out that kind of oral history the utilities concern or interest in making sure the council um uh, planned well for the region. So there is, there's a lot of um, data back at the office right? <laughs> in Crystal's computer about all of that and what the real intent was. Um, I also believe with there was knowing that this was going to get formed, they wanted to make sure they wanted a hand in if it was going to help them and this 20 year planning horizon and all these requirements when they wanted to make sure it was something I, and this is, I was not there. I was still this going to school, history. right? This yeah. is, this might, what I believe I've heard, but they needed, they wanted to make sure that it was something that's, that was feasible. Yeah. Right. And, and something that could help. Yeah. They also, I mean, the fish and wild stuff, wildlife issues and concerns were clearly on, on the horizon. And so, um, they uh, wanted to make sure that, you know, that was in a, a way that would mesh. And so I, I think that it was more making sure kind of understanding and help frame it in a way that they could deal with. And I one quick anecdote. So um, Al Wright was the executive director. No, he was not there yet. He was actually the GM at Grant County PUD at the time okay. prior to becoming the executive director. And he was just going to go to a, a fish and wildlife committee meeting and it, it should be over in a few months. And, <laughs> and, and here we are. It, we, I don't know if those are his exact words, but it was, it was a short term project. <laughs> and I'm sorry, Al, I don't know that he's, he would ever. And we're still going to fish and wildlife yeah, committee meetings. Yeah. I, think I, your point. I think he even made fun of himself, right. In thinking that, yeah. but anyway. 
Uh-huh. So, Mark, you, uh, I think one of the ways I met you first was through the PNUC meetings and the way yeah. you've covered uh-huh. the industry. Yeah. How, how, it, how much was the reporting of news data tied with PNUC in those days? How much can we credit 1980 and the Northwest Power Act with the formation of news data and the industry publication? Yeah, that that's a us? great question and, and properly answered by uh, my predecessor, Cyrus, who I, I don't know when he started attending PNUC. I'm thinking it was probably in the 80s. When they became pub, you know. Yeah, he started clearing up in 1902, you know, just about when Shauna was starting there at PNUC. And I know he always found it to be a really valuable resource, as have I for the last, you know, 50 or so years. But in terms of reporting, I made this a little too much insider baseball, but yeah, we show up at PNUC meetings, but we do not report from them. We find out what's going <laughs> on and we follow up as appropriate. So, yeah. so there's a little bit of a separation there. So we don't go as reporters, we go to find out what's going on and to network and get ideas. Um, but it's, it's honestly the best utility meeting in the region for sure. It always has been. Boop, boop. So and, Put on my marketing app for but, peanut. But let's, just, but let's just say this. In the beginning, um, in the early years, I mean, there was so much going on, but I think Cyrus was focused a, a little more on um, other, not not the what's going forward, but almost looking back a little bit. Certainly the early years of clearing up were much more focused on whoops and all the lawsuits and all the political machinations and all the cost overruns. Mm-hmm. And I've read some of the early issues. Yeah, it's just filled with conflict and turmoil and, and uh, lots of money being spent and lots of lawyers getting uh, getting rich. Wow. So, yeah. And we'll talk a little bit more about whoops later. Yeah. It's one of those topics I want to get deeper into. So I think we have at least the top two for everybody. Where are we at? I lost track at this point. Who has a third that they need? Have you given two or just one? I've given two and... I'm Credit given, Crystal for a co-to. Yes, yeah. <laughs> a co-to. I have a unique one. Okay, please. Give However, us it is, I think, a result of 1992's Power Act. Okay. Um, and and there's also, a there's a theme, but it has to do with, I don't know where you do the benchmark, but it is um, at a point where we reached enough renewables in the region okay. that the way the system operated, regardless of fish, has flipped on its head. Yep. Right. And we went from energy deficits and worrying about that, which is and a critical period of 42 months, whatever that meant. It means we had enough hydro to get us through 42 months for energy. And um, enough and storage. We, to enough, get us- yeah. And <laughs> we and we had enough. And so but we we're worried about energy. And if, if that would do the trick and capacity, heck, you could ramp those all those yeah. projects up. You'd have all the capacity you needed. It was never an issue. And we flipped on our head. And I really do think it's all the renewables, loads grow, and then and, and it's all this- um, Changing vari- resource mix. Fa- variable resources that turned us into a capacity planning focus. That's fascinating. It shows up on the milestone in 2006. So wind power plants of third parties integrated into the- And then model. in 12, but I think it's more when you get past 2012. Oh, it shows up twice. It yeah, shows up but twice. It, but okay. it, I mean, and uh, the Chronicle has the graph of, you know, within that, those two years, that's six years, we went from 500 to 4,500 megawatts of on wind. Somebody, of wind that, and where are we at? Eight, 8,000 ish now? Close if to you, 10. And, yeah. 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 And we got and the end of, and the new players, which was also part of D Ray of ninety two D Reg, right? And we've got the IPPs in the in the mix now and opening up the transmission access. I mean, I think that just blew it up and those pieces all really changed how the people at the utility are doing their job and how they think about it. 
Yep, mm-hmm. absolutely. And I just want to insert my own milestone in here. In 2009, I was commissioning a wind farm in uh, the Columbia River Gorge outside of Walla Walla, where I met How my big? wife. How big? 100 megawatts, which is How, a decent like, size. Yeah. Not which how, one? Which how, one? Van Sickle 2. Van Sickle 2. Absolutely. I covered the opening of Van Sickle 1 in 1998. Yeah, well, Van okay. Sickle 2 was much later. And it was yeah. 98 because we had um, the uh, congressman elect uh, Greg Walden there. Yes. And you were there? I was and there. Rachel Shimshack from Renewal Northwest was there. You didn't even, you didn't even know it. Look at that. <laughs> oh, wait, yeah, we knew it. And how did you meet Why did you meet really my young there? Man, right? <laughs> she was she lived and worked in Walla Walla. She worked on the wind farm. And I wasn't asking how big she was. I was asking how big the wind farm was. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I think I got that right. I think I got that right. You yeah. said hundred megawatts, not hundred pounds. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, so wow. that uh, great milestone. So that was number three on your list. Anything else to add there? Anybody else have that on their list? I did not, but I had something that probably follows up in what Sean was talking about, the EPACT, and that is the Western Energy Crisis, which I know we're going to talk about, which yep. in some ways did also, uh, you know, sort of get precipitated from EPACT and yeah. sort of opening up, you know, market forces in, um, in in policy ways. And California was the kind of the proximate yeah. example in what that are you one. Saying? But- Sorry, EPAC, what? Energy e- Policy oh, Act. I'm sorry, another <laughs> yeah, sort of acronym. Oh. <laughs> Energy, drink. energy you policy. You need to drink. You have to drink for that. No, he has to drink for <laughs> I that. I don't Wait a minute. Okay. Drinks, okay. The drinks. Energy Policy Act, which has been popularly known as <laughs> EPAC. I've never heard it referred to as that. Interesting. That's what all the lingo was back in the. I, I, yeah. I'm in the no acronym place. <laughs> yes. <so>. Energy <laughs> Policy Act of 2005. Does it say EPAC in parentheses? No, it does not. <laughs> okay. It does yes. not. Okay. You still not. have to drink. Well, if, if, somebody, <laughs> if, if there's somebody we know that updates the book, <laughs> they can <just> say- <laughs> there will be acronyms everywhere. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Okay, so a you had the Energy Policy Act. <laughs> you had the Energy Policy Act of 2005 on your list. Uh, no, you had the Energy Crisis. I had the Energy, energy the crisis. Western Energy Crisis of 2000 okay. and yes. 2001, which sprang Was somewhat from- directly from the Energy Policy Act of 1992. Wait. Oh, in some ways, just unleashing yeah. a lot of market forces and interest in retail competition, and which led California to restructure, which led in part to scarcity, scarcity, along with okay. hydro, uh, low hydro, and and um, and we should be yeah. there are two energy policy act. There's the energy <laughs> policy act of 1992, and then. 2005, and you're referring to the 1992. Correct. Oh, okay. correct. So I was for, reading the long, yeah. wrong milestone. So, so and okay. so yes, I would. Um, challenge you. You you work for a utility. I do work for a utility. Uh, I'm turning this around. I'm going to ask the question. Oh, so, please, no. That's not, no. This, this, I, that's not I know. this relationship. Yeah, that's not how this works. <laughs> that's not how this works. I'm retired. I don't have to follow any rules. That's very fair. So, um, but really, when you think about milestones, I mean, there's milestones that are notable, but then it is about, I kept thinking about what are the things that really change the way that peop, all the people I know that work in the utility, their resource planners are giving me data for the NRF, Northwest Regional Forecast. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, close. Um, you know, what, are the, what were the things that, that made doing their job, you know, what were those big flips? And, okay. those, and that's how I was thinking about Inflation it. Inflation right? Reduction Act. Inflation Reduction Act. Absolutely. What it yeah. changes what everything about the way we think about resource planning. Say more. I don't it's going to change the way we think about the way the way resources are valued um, because we got to consider like grants and direct funding and thinks about the like, cost of resources and it actually 
continues your theme about thinking about energy and capacity because the energy is negatively priced marginal. We, we should expect that to continue new resources to be have negative fuel cost. But then what is the cost of moving that negative energy into the hours you need? Interesting. It? Hmm. Yeah. So we have to wow. rethink that whole dynamic. And then and, uh. and what do what do we think about? I kept thinking about how, I don't know how to describe it, but going forward also, this whole podcast. I'm sorry, I'm almost done, <laughs> but we just experienced the hottest summer uh. on record. Right. And so it, yeah. the planning for the future is really, we really got it. Yeah. I know Global it's a, warming through this whole <laughs> yeah. Yeah. climate climate change. change. Yeah. Global warming, yeah. climate change. It's yeah. all happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So that's all, that's your three. I'm done. Okay. You had I'm good. I, I've said What's my, your third? I said my it piece. was really interesting. Mark and I did not compare notes, but we lined up on uh, the first <laughs> and the last, and we kind of had the same. Uh, yeah. So I did have the Western energy crisis of 2000, 2001 uh, as my third. There we go. Yeah. Okay. It that's really, all three. It was, it's just so significant. It increased rates in the region. Um, and, uh, you know, there was just a, a lot of turmoil at the time, yeah. uh, and it shut down, um, markets, uh, and we're, here we are, uh, two decades later, um, with alternatives, uh, to consider, right. Um, and it's because that market design, uh, wasn't successful mm -hmm. through that mm -hmm. turmoil, yeah. um, until it shut it down. And here we are revisiting it again. Right. It also really led to all the, you know, attention on resource adequacy. Yeah. That's really prevalent as you all know. And power planning and, and now the wrap really there's a, there's a direct yeah. through line, I think from that to, to the wrap and, and, and beyond. Yeah. So, but I had good. a fourth that's not on the timeline. Okay, please. In 2014, the um, beginning of the uh, Western energy imbalance market. Yes. Ooh. Yeah. 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 We'll talk about that later. It has its own card as well. Yeah. Um, I yes. think that is a really important milestone that the next person that updates the Chronicle should take that into account. Yeah. yeah. And maybe think about that as a really important starts with day. the next year, 2014. Yeah. You have to think about, you can't yeah. have a, you can't have a milestone for every year. That's a criteria that I have for your rewrite. You can't be like 2013, what was the thing that happened? 2014, what was the thing that it happened? It has to be significant. <laughs> they have to be impactful. significant. Like what's yeah. the impactful? And I would yeah. I right. would nominate the Inflation Reduction Act and direct, act, direct pay. We talked about our top three. One of the early ones we talked about was preference. I wanna, I wanna dive in a little bit more to preference. We are public power underground after all, we gotta do that. Um, it shows up a few places on the timeline. In 1902, where Congress passes the Reclamation Act, the first federal law to apply the doctrine of public preference to electricity. In 1920, in the passage of the Federal Power Act, giving preference to public where breaking ties for competing application of hydro plants. 1936, where, grants, where it grants preference to states, munis, PUDs, and cooperatives in 1937. Bingo. The Bonneville Project Act that extends preference to Northwest cooperatives. In 1964, the passage of the Pacific Northwest Power Preference Act. Codifying, regional preference. Codifying uh, the doctrine of regional preference. That's right. You're all over this. You're great. You did your homework. <laughs> and 1980, the Northwest Power Act that sets standards for acquiring resources and setting rates. So I'm going to start with you, Mark. 
What is preference? Can you explain it to our audience? I can, uh, and good. I'll thank the BPA for a little, uh, little, uh, uh, little cheat sheet here. So that means that the uh, the entities that Bonneville serves, uh, primarily um, uh, co-ops and, and PUDs and, and municipalities, have, as you mentioned, the statutory preference to the available federal power from the the Bonneville um, system, and they can purchase their their power at the priority uh, firm rate. So I think you hit on all the uh, sort of enabling, you know, legislation and other things that it created that, but basically gets puts them first in line for any available uh, power that the federal system has to give. And it also, I think, you know, in practice, it certainly established the the BPA customers as we could probably have a debate on this, arguably the most important constituency that Bonneville has. I mean, I think there's, you know, there could be a debate about that, but certainly they are um, collectively um, a, a very important constituency for BPA. So. I wanted to dive in because I do think there are flavors of preference. And I think Uh you spoke specifically to uh, the preference to priority firm service. Correct. Um, But there's also the regional preference that you mentioned, Crystal. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about regional preference, Shauna, and your view of regional preference. Okay. Uh, So, A, being from an organization, I did not work at a utility. So I don't have, and I have, um, I've always had the members of, of the four, the whole Northwest, right? And so I've always thought about preference as the regional preference, and especially because I think about re- regional need and regional yeah. resources, right? And so, and as the markets have evolved and we deregulated, that idea of Northwest entities have first right to Northwest power, and with and the the worries and hand wringing about. California coming and taking all of our power or we, you know, we put a conduit or a culvert in and run all the water south, you know, kind of those conversations have been kind of sort of the jokes. But the the truth of the matter is that we are a, a unified group and the valuable energy from the hydro system in the northwest serves the utilities customers of the northwest. Yeah. And that's that's been a just that's just a. One of principle 101 when we're thinking about our regional loads and resources and, and from the perspective of the overlaid uh, group of utilities. Right, right. And I think about it, um, you know, with the experience I had working for the Bonneville Power Administration and the development of the river system. And it was developed for public good. And um, so it was developed to benefit the people of the Northwest. And so yeah. that's why we have regional preference. It's a really good articulation of the reason why it's for public good. Yeah. Um, and it's, and we, I think we do have to think through like it's, it is for the regional good. And then there is preference within there to public power within Correct. the yeah. statute that encodes the uh, yeah. munis and co-ops right. and PUDs in that preference. Yeah. Anything else we wanted to add well, on I preference? I think about how we share the benefit of the development and, you know, there is the residential exchange Yes. and sharing that. You want to get into residential exchange? It, it is on the like settlement, on my there. settlement of the residential exchange. Do you have an answer yet all figured out? No. Okay. No. Yeah. It's really hard. Yeah. Yeah. One of the uh we're going through this next contract with Bonneville and one of the things that I was running across later was encoded within the contract for customers was the Pinuck, and uh, we were supposed to report. We have to report. Do you, is there history there? Is there an oral history of how they yes. dragged you? Please <laughs> yes. tell us the oral history of how we, you got drug into the contract. 
I was going to meetings and I'm finding out that PNUCC is listed in the contracts and it was way more significant than what is there. And the best we could do is get it whittled down to utilities um, or it was after when was the year that you that those were signed? Do you remember? Anyway, so anyway, in the spirit of making sure everybody's adequate and bringing their all their resources to the table. Um, Which the, is part of the 1980 Northwest Power Act was regional adequacy and, so, and regional sufficiency. Um, That's part of preference is yeah. you need to make sure you're adequately planning for resources to serve the region. And so we had we Absolutely. utilities are supposed to um, check in with us yep. and tell us what their um, what their loads and resources are. And we would um, report that to Bonneville for them and, and let Bonneville know that everybody's checked in. And uh, <laughs> kind of created an extra job, which was, you know, nothing that we were asking for. And it was really extensive and we got it whittled down to that. Um, That's good history. Yeah. And, and go read it. I mean, we kind of went, what? Because you, not all three paragraphs now. You whittled it down. I don't know where it started from. Well, all I know is I had some little munis and, um, and then, it gave somebody at Bonneville a job to call us and say, do you have your data in yet? We actually, it, it, it helped us move our request date for data yep. and all kinds of things to be able to make the date. Um, uh, anyway, that, that, I'm glad you read that. So you know what to fix. <laughs> because, yeah, keep me up to date on that, please. Yeah, but but honestly, honestly, the generating utilities, the big utilities are all doing all of their own work right you're got the resources to meet your need and the little guys are relying on bonneville and they're they're doing some of their own work then they compare notes with bonneville and then they come to disagreement that this is they were they're in the ballpark somewhere telling us about it isn't going (laughs) to change anything right there Um, is even for the large utilities i'll just go defend the northwest power act momentarily but in order to establish the adequacy of the region you do need to know the capability of the component resources within the region so as bonneville was uh, entrusted with the adequacy of the region in the northwest power act part of that was making sure that those resources in the region part of that the rights that customers have for power is based on um it, using your own resources within the region. But that which happened is why. like 30 years later, right? If it was 2012 or whatever, right? Because the act was 80. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it took... It was a different contract, so it, it was yeah. new considerations. Yeah, yeah. but anyway... Um, we don't need to get into those weeds. <laughs> yeah. No, <laughs> and, and, the, and the thing is, we were saying, you know, the argument from our point of view was the utilities that have generation are already... We're already the, between Bonneville, the Northwest Power and Conservation Council, and PNUCC. We were collecting all that data, and we were very working very closely together. The yeah. the council staff, the Bonneville staff, and the PNUC staff shared notes and compared, made sure we all had the same list of resources. Um, no one's going to miss Grand Coulee Dam. You know, I mean, it's still there. It's still there. And and so, and as a little small hydros came into play, it got to be really tricky. But we spent a lot of time keeping track of all that together and making sure we all have the same, that we all know where all the generation is. Yep. And so and for we still do that. any of those power analysts at Electric Utilities that listen to our podcast and always send their forecast to PNUC, but then copy Bonneville, some email at Bonneville, that's the reason why. Yeah. And you can thank Shauna for getting out maybe a bunch of other requirements that you would have had to do. Just that one email, 
complies with that contract. Yep. So thank you for, thank you, Shauna, for whittling you're, it down. And thank you, welcome. Crystal, for maintaining the how simple, simple that can be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. Hey, can I make one more point about preference? Is it, we got, yeah. we got time. Um, so it's kind of interesting that there is, um, it's, it's in federal statute that there is a specific regional benefit. And I think that's sort of created a little bit of tension over the years. Uh, you probably are from, all familiar with calls to privatize BPA and open up the know. BPA system. So I think there's, yeah, it, it's, a, I don't know if it's unique, but it's a, it's a pretty unusual circumstance. So I think it does kind of leave the Northwest open to some political machinations, but you always have the underlying law to, uh, so unless they change the law, you know, Bonneville preference will presumably remain for, for a long time. So <laughs> I wonder, does anybody know if TVA has a sim similar preference uh, Ooh, in their statutes and their organizing statutes? I would assume so. It's I would think so too. Similar they, they formed in the time, same time yeah. period. I would, I would, but I, I can't verify. And WAPA yeah. as well. I think WAPA has some preference language. To their okay. resource, yeah. their federal resource. To their yeah. federal resources. Okay, well, we're gonna, we already talked a little bit about Whoopsie Daisy, but we're going to go talk <laughs> about Daisy. Whoopsie Daisy a little bit more. So it shows up. Uh, there's a few things on the milestone what that I'm talking about. What does Whoop stand for, Mark? Do you want me to answer that? Yeah, do you want Mark know, to answer that? I know, I know, I know. I know. I, I'm waiting. I know. You want me to answer that? Yeah. Washington Public Power Supply System. <laughs> I think it's on this uh, card, too, that I'm about to read. Oh. So there is a milestone on the timeline in 1968 where the Joint Power Planning Council announces its 19, $15 billion 20-year hydrothermal program to build a series of large, mostly nuclear power plants. Can you just stop there and say those dates again and the amount of money? 1968, $15 billion dollars. I, I don't know if I mumbled that. It may sound like million, no, but it's billion. I, I, in dollars at that time. At yes. that time. <laughs> at that time. And if you think about it now. 100 billion. Yeah, we should, uh, maybe whoever rewrites the Chronicle or updates it could put <laughs> in nominal terms what that would mean and uh, publish dates. Yeah, just that for would be impact. Really, yeah, for impact, I absolutely. I, I bet you could do that. <laughs> Well, after that 1968 milestone, there's a 1980 milestone, which we talked about, which was the Northwest Power Act creating the Northwest Power and Planning Council that later became the Northwest Power and Conservation Council. Yeah, you got it. Got it. <laughs> and then Can there's a, a 1983 date on the timeline where the Washington Supreme Court invalidates Washington nuclear projects, four and five participant contracts, and the Washington Public power sy supply system declares a $2.25 billion bond default. Wow. Whoops. Cute. <laughs> Who wants to talk about whoops and what it means, oh, even boy. for today? Because I think it still has a lasting impact today and in the way we think about Bonneville and we think about the region's plans. Uh, it still has a lasting impact because it's in rates. Yeah, absolutely. It's still, still, we're still paying off that yep. default. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Anybody want to take up whoops and talk about it? We, we've talked about it a little bit leading up to this, but I'm curious about the reporting of the lawsuits, but go ahead. Yeah. Crystal. Yeah. Um, so it's um, oral history, not lived history because I wasn't working for BPA at the time. Um, but people who were remember that um, the administrator at the time, Peter um, T. Johnson, uh, was burnt in effigy. Uh, burned in effigy because uh, he was going to choose to shut that down. Um, and uh, it was, uh, you know, Steve Wright talks about, um, you know, being out there with the um, direct service industries and the, the uh, change there because, you know, their rates were going up and they were leaving uh, the region. But 
he was never burned in effigy. And that just has a really big impact because it was a difficult decision for the administrator to make at the time. And there was a lot of public attention to it. And people were riled up, mad, as far as like what I understand. And I can't imagine, you know, what that protest looked like where, a, you know, the administrator, something, you know, like him, uh, people were, it was, yeah, I, I just shared that with you. people knew who it was yeah. and then were yeah. mad enough to, mad enough yeah. to like light something on fire. Yeah. Yeah. Burned an effigy. Yeah. That's the oral history that I've been told. Do you know if, um, is that when the, when they came to um, create the top quartile to help with their rates? The DSIs? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Did I miss, I miss this up by later. bringing in the DSIs? Because I, I just meant I like the decision that, yeah. that the no, administrator I understand, had but to I can make imagine. I, don't, I just don't know. I'm going to have to go home and do some homework. I, I'm curious about that. Because I do think part of all this change and whether it's the costs and because of whoops or not, but losing the top quartile, that flexibility of a thousand megawatts, having that in your hip pockets, huge. And when they went away, is that the non-firm service to the DSIs to make it, sure that it, if yeah. you had insufficiency, you could shut off yes. their service. And is there that was what you're X about? amount of minutes that they could be without power and not yeah. freeze up all their aluminum. And I mean, it was a really Today, even more significant benefit if you had it than than I can think. That's a lot of demand. Right, response. it's not. It's not. <laughs> it's not uh, one of the high tech companies that want every every four seconds to be perfect power. There is something to learn there from that history, though, because making aluminum is uh, you know you make more money the more you make, and continuous service is valuable. And there is an interest there. Maybe there is a, a value could, of lost load less than the value of uh, you know indiscriminate lost load. Um, maybe you can have some price responsive demand, the buzzword that yeah. Uh, yeah, I enjoy so it using. It was the first demand response yeah, it was, that I didn't know DR It's price responsive demand, yeah. right? And it's, <laughs> it's, it's used for demand response. Yeah. But what Sorry. was what was it like? What was it like at the time? Well, I wasn't. Uh, I, you know, I wasn't. Um, yeah, I was. I, I was born then, but yeah. I wasn't working <laughs> in energy at the time. Um, but yeah, I think Chris was right. There were a lot of public protests also in utility territories for their rates that Bonneville passed. I think the rates what doubled or tripled Bonneville rates within a very short period of time from what was then the largest municipal bond default in um, in history. And again, clearing up sort of origin story. But um, another thing I think that's kind of interesting from um, from the perspective of, of whoops historically is that obviously put the kibosh on any future, you know, new large nuclear. But today, Columbia Generating Station is a pretty valuable carbon-free yeah. resource. So there, it wasn't a complete uh, debacle in terms of what it actually uh, created. Now we're seeing you know, a lot of interest. We're all seeing interest in small modular reactors. So um, yeah, it did have that sort of near-term, uh, a lot of cataclysmic. Um, uh, but there, you know, was, I think, some positive things that came out of it eventually. But as Chris said, yeah, the rate thing, that, that goes for many more years, I believe, right? Before all those are, are paid off, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Do we, am I right to think that there's still the reverberation of the dry hole risk um, and that kind of uh, risk aversion to capital investment and resources in the region? Absolutely. Or, oh, yeah. I, I, I think agree. we've seen it come up uh, yeah. this year. Um, and, you know, the... 
uh, Northwest Regional Forecast, PNX product, um, with the increase in loads uh, that we were able uh, to project this year by getting that information from utilities. We haven't seen that kind of load projection since the early 1980s um, and before that time. And so we, uh, the PNX staff put together a graph that shows, you know, kind of that history from 1960s until, uh, you know, 2002. Right, our data is 2003. Sorry, <clears throat> and uh, and so I think people are looking back at that and um, also very skeptical yeah. of the potential uh, to for loads to increase like that. And um, certainly, there's a lot of people thinking, you know, well, we we built we tried to build to those loads before the uncertainty, <laughs> right? Yeah. And look what happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you are asking if we think about it and I've certainly heard that um, a number of times this just this year yeah but at the time there really weren't that many options right if you wanted to meet the projected loads you had nuclear you had coal that in terms of large-scale plants I believe that was you know basically all I, natural, natural gas hydro. hadn't quite come in and of course you know hydro as the base load but yeah so I there's one perspective on all of that that um, and that is the word risk and the, and the risk shift that through deregulation and yes. and all of that, the risk people have, have figured, I feel like the utilities have been able to be less risk, or they can be more risk averse because they, the marketers and the IPP folks have stepped in and they're taking those chances. Yeah. Yeah. And their business model's different than the utility. And so I feel like it's fed that. Well, that's a great segue because the next I'm card glad. was about the Energy Policy Acts. Oh, I put woo. a card for both 92 <laughs> and 2005 because I'm not sure I know the difference. Me neither. And uh, you wanted to talk about it. So Energy Policy Act of 1992, the Energy Policy Act of 2005, um, deregulation, the relationship with FERC and pro forma tariffs. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about that? I think 2005 was precipitated by the Northeast rolling blackouts, right? Mm -hmm. Because you, of the that, New York thing. Yeah. The New York thing that yeah. started in Ohio. And um, so that became, that added oversight, right? Oversight from, that's, was that's that the, the uh, reliability, right? The reliability yeah. components. Yep, and yep. Because right? of those, yeah. I mean, yes. New York was out two, two, 20 years ago. Yeah. 20 years ago. Uh, passed in the law granting FERC new authority to oversee reliability of the grid to prevent market manipulation and to promote transmission investment. That's what happened in 2005. Hmm. But you wanted to talk about 92 and deregulation. Um, and you've, what else, what well, else do you want to get into? I've said most of what I was thinking, right? <laughs> yeah. And that really is um, the shift in the force and, and the way they were doing business and the way they're thinking about even working together and whether um, Bonneville moved transmission to uh, Vancouver, right? Dittmer. And so those guys couldn't talk to each other anymore. And there was that. Because of SOC. Mm hmm. Whatever. Standards of conduct. Standards, yeah. There we yeah. go. The socks <laughs> and um, and and all of the the big utilities that had multiple roles, right? And so it just changed how everybody was could work together or couldn't work together. And we had bumps in the road. Yeah, right? we had bumps in the road. Right. You can keep going, but I was going to segue it because okay. we talked about the Energy Policy Act a little bit, but then we have the energy crisis that mm -hmm. happened in between the passage of these two. We had the deregulation and the formation of certain independent system operators, and then we had a couple bumps in the bumps road, in the and road. then we got to 2005, and FERC has and new before authority. Before you know it, utilities reporting to PNUC, 
for their Bonneville contracts. Before you know it. <laughs> right? I mean, it's, yeah. it's all tied yeah. together. And it's, Peanut's been trust, a trusted uh, contributor to the region the whole time. Thank you. Do we want to talk? I want to talk a little bit more about the energy crisis because I still think, similar to whoops, there is a lasting impact of yeah. that uh, oh, on the West. Um, Mark, I think you, news data reported around that a lot and the corresponding lawsuits and stuff like that. What did, any, any thoughts or anything you wanted to share about the energy crisis and that importance of that? Yeah, I wasn't, you know, directly writing. I was writing our, our conservation newsletter um, at the time. I wasn't really um, writing as much for clearing up. But one of the, one of the big things that, uh, you know, was part of the energy crisis was a lot of calls for conservation and also a lot of buybacks uh, yeah. from primarily like, uh, you know, industrial customers. Mm -hmm. So that was one of the, you know, and also a lot of calls by the governors for public, you know, to, to use less power. And I actually pulled up something from the council website that said, Demand for electricity in the region uh, began falling in late 2000 and had dropped 13% by the next two years. So those kind of calls for conservation, I think, were, um, you know, effective in, in mitigating some of the worst. It didn't mitigate by any means all of it or, or even most of it, but but some of it. So I think that was a big a big factor, uh, um, you know, in, in while the energy crisis was going on. And because, you know, Northwest had, at that time had a long established history of conservation, as you all, yeah. you all know. So it kind of continued, but sort of expanded uh, from that. So. So yeah, was what was it like to work at Pinoc during the crisis? <laughs> we were we were busy uh, working on it. It caused us to get uh, get involved with, and we coordinated share the shortage agreements. Oh. Share the shortage, and oh. so we spent months and hours every day and hosting gatherings of the big utilities, working with the power pool. And um, it was said that um, there were agreements in place and mechanisms in place. If, the, if we had a blackout or, you know, the system shut down, they were prepared to know how to bring it back up. But what they didn't have is a coordinated way to, to turn things off if they, if they needed to. And so sharing the shortage... And and we collected signatures from all the twenty players or however they were with whatever the agreement was, and we did that for multiple years in a row. Um, after that, and so the biggest utilities would had a had come to a conclusion if you know what they would do and what they were willing to agree to. So someone was going to be really short. How they would either work together to they weren't short, or they would spread. The risk, yeah. and they made sure that the hospitals and all of the critical load was taken care of. So, is this like a mm. precursor to like energy emergency alerts that we yes. hear about now? It's like yes, yes, and very much so. When FERC got yeah. into that reliability, it's like a encoding of the practice. That yeah, and you I remember, and I remember the, none of the details about what was in the, you know, because I'm all about the people. I know the people that got in the room and how much we spent, how much time we spent together, yeah. and the effort it took to create it. Um, and uh, pol political figures were involved. So the PUCs and our legislators knew that this was happening. And that was part of it is to make sure they knew that utilities were taking care of business and going to keep the lights on best they could. And, um, and then, and, and protect us from California taking off this power, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Regional preference. Yeah. So anyway, 
It was really striking how much the political figures were visible okay. during the Antichrist. I mean, I think you remember the California governor was eventually recalled. He was. As a direct result, Gray Davis from that. And I know the oh. Northwest governors, I don't know if they, they, it wasn't nearly as severe up here, but I'm sure that was on their, their radar. I remember Larry Cassidy yeah. doing, uh, as the chair of the Northwest Power and Conservation Council, <clears throat> doing a press release, uh, press conference asking people not to use their Christmas lights. Oh, wow. Wow, that's... That's serious. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and they never spoke up like that, right? That wasn't necessarily their role, but yeah. the utilities um, and decision makers urged, yeah. urged the council to do that. Right. Yep. Um, and I don't know the history very well. And part of it I learned from listening to Public Power uh, Underground. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, at the time, you know, with the California energy crisis um, and uh, the CAISO, the governance of the CAISO. Yes. Yep. So it changed significantly mm -hmm. because of that. Oh, yeah. uh, and that's kind of what we would, you know, we, we would like something more independent to, uh, to explore. Mm -hmm. um, but the reason why it is what it is today is largely because of the result from the energy crisis. Yeah, we did an episode after the uh, EDAM regional, or not, mm -hmm. the regional expansion, <laughs> regional expansion <laughs> summit. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> the, the chair of CAISO's Board of Governors at the time uh, mentioned that that time and the process and the governance questions that arose and how we ended up with the governance within uh, for the California Independent System Operator that we did because of um, because of the regions. Yeah. So I think know. that's an important um, piece of history to understand as we think about um, what we think we need now. Yeah. And how we got to where we are, and it was a response to it's, something that... Right. Yeah. It's always so important to understand how we got to where we are when you want to change what we have. Exactly. So I can't... Well I, I always think of um, analogies, right? And so it's it, some of it is... Because questioning, is it something we still need to do, or is there something different we can do, right? So the analogy is, Grandma always cut the ends off her ham, and so... Uh, the, the daughter asks the mother, why do you do, why do you cut the ends off the ham, mom? Well, grandma always did it. Well, why did grandma do it? Well, it didn't fit in the, her pan. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right. Or however that story goes. But you have goes. so much room in your oven now. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so, I mean, it, so it's I, to any new staff, new to the industry, uh, new to thinking about power, you always want to ask those questions, but know for the most part, the incredible people before you, had very good and solid and valid reasons for doing what they're doing yeah. and with the tools that they had. And yeah. anyway, just yeah. when you think back to all of this, Paul, I just can't get in from my 40 years, the people that work on this and the sincerity that each and every utility representative brought to every gathering, um, no matter where the forum was, their customers or foremost at the front of their minds and everything they were doing was all about that whether it was providing power, keeping their rates low, um, other kinds of community service. I mean, just bar none. Yeah. It's been an incredible place to be. Yep. Almaz, did you know nuclear energy is America's largest source of climate-friendly power? Is that a thing you knew? I did not know that. I would have said hydro. Okay. Well, nuclear is probably in more parts of the country probably than hydro. Hydro is very river specific I think. yeah I'm, I'm i'm very focused on the northwest 
In yeah, America, you're that. probably right. Yes, nuclear. Yeah. Sounds right. Love that about you. Okay. In fact, nuclear energy provides about 50% of the country's carbon-free electricity. And Energy Northwest, our friends at Energy Northwest, is a premier provider of carbon-free electricity in the Pacific Northwest. Energy Northwest mission is to provide safe, reliable, cost-effective, responsible power generation and innovative energy and business solutions to its public power members and regional customers. Energy Northwest is proudly advancing the Northwest clean energy future. To learn more, do you know want to do you want to know how to learn more, Almas? Yeah, give me the info. I need to know okay. more. Okay, let's let's learn more. To learn more about Energy Northwest, visit their website at energy-northwest.com. That's energy-northwest.com. One of the other things that uh, that was a precipitating event, we talked about the uh, Energy Policy Act of 1992 and deregulation, but there are a lot of milestones that didn't show up on the timeline. There were the Northwest initiatives to do regional in the Northwest market expansion. That's where I want to leave it there. So it is not in here, but it is in PGP's market retrospective, which I will link again in the show notes. Every time we talk about markets, we have to yes. talk about the market retrospective because it was great work. Um, and, it, and it ties into, I think, really well, the 2012 uh, milestone on the, the calendar around wind projects in the Northwest, because I think that has driven us towards market evolution in a way that prior efforts didn't. Yeah, yeah. But from the market retrospective, I have the dates in here. So uh, Indigo from 1995 to 1998, RTO West from 2000 to 2004, Grid West was an effort from 2004 to 2006. The Northwest Power Pool Market Initiative or MC initiative was 2012 to 2016. The EIM was 2014. RAP, the Western Resource Adequacy Program was 2019, was yeah. kicked off. And then uh, last year and this year, I don't know which one the state quote is today, but the Markets Plus initiative from SPP and the Extended Day Ahead Market or EDAM yeah. initiative from uh, KISO are also important milestones on this. I connect them through the integration of uh, variable energy resources. How do you all think about market evolution and whether that will go on the milestone, you already mentioned it, the next time it gets updated. <laughs> That's right. Um, I, uh, I think this is um, a, an interesting place to be because, um, you know, we've lived this history um, that you're talking about. Uh, I have personal experience with RTO West, and I want you to repeat those dates again. RTO West was 2000 to 2004. Yes. And we just spent a lot of minutes talking about the energy crisis um, yes. and now reflecting on it. I can see why you know, we were really uh, trying to um, kind of tout uh, this idea of, um, you know, regional transmission uh, organization, uh, not just, you know, a, an entity, but really um, what that wide footprint might um, give us and what it might prevent. But we were really up against that crisis. Um, and there was a lot of political um, interest in what we were doing and we were trying to build understanding um, but also uh, nobody wanted to like uh, you know have to go through that again they might lose their job right you mentioned it um, but you know the delegation at the time um, representative Peter DeFazio 
uh, was very uh, against it. Uh, Senator Maria Cantwell from Washington um, also, you know, just, uh, you know, you couldn't do that. You didn't want FERC to do that to the Northwest. You didn't want to be in a position where FERC could let that happen in the Northwest. And so we were really up against it when we were talking about RTO West. And it's probably one of the reasons why we weren't successful, even though we tried really hard to move that forward. And the marker retrospective does a really good job of talking through those issues and the ways it wasn't successful in the past and the concerns about or the ways in which it may be different this time. Um, so please go read it because there are ways in which it could be different than yeah. when we do it again yeah. um, and to learn those lessons, but to, to look forward. I'm curious what it was like at PNUC. During so, those initiatives, and whether- um, so the, at least the did you list two or three before? Yeah, there's a bunch of them. Here. Yeah, well, so Indigo. I don't uh, know what any of those acronyms. It's an acronym. Are. It's, but, it is an acronym. But I don't know what it stands independent for. Independent something. Yeah, governance. Independent grid operator. Yeah. Indigo. Yeah. Capital O. <laughs> and the RTO. Anyway, that happened at, at the PNOC offices and in the PNOC conference room. Did it really? Yes, yeah. and we had folks hired to um, facilitate those. Um, so we were very involved. Um, I can see some of the players around the room today, and I'm more focused on who was in the room than all of the things that um, might have transpired out of those. Looking back today, this is just my opinion totally. Um, people were afraid to, you know, to take that next step, right, and whatever that would be. I also think that... Um, Maybe there was still not as much clarity on what the real need, you know, last, just some clarity on what what you were going to get from the result. Yeah. And um, maybe you have better tools today, and whether it's a computer simulation or even access to market worlds and things that we didn't have before. And so I would hope in this next time frame that's why i left so somebody else could figure it out right but <laughs> i would think that there's a lot more there's more at stake there's more clarity on what we need and there or there's no going back what we've had hasn't worked and before this we landed on the you know what do they call that you're doing the all your all your options and there's the state of the system today right you just kind of stay with the status quo yep. and so status quo ended up being the answer multiple times and so that retrospective i talked a lot with the authors of that right about this and um there were a lot of notes in our that you have available to you about just what was going on it wasn't detailed but it was happening at that table yeah so um anyway i just believe that we're at a point now where status quo isn't working and so you have Finally, the um, what it's what it's going to take to get to the next iteration, yeah, would be, and I know nothing. I mean, you know, that's just gut reaction to what's been going on. You know a lot. You do know a lot, and I appreciate. I know, but I can't spit it out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. sorry. (laughs) Peanut was a table. It sounds like where people gathered to talk about these types of things. Anything you maybe want to share about uh, (laughs) other things Peanut is involved in today? Right. We continue to be that table and to bring the people together to. 
uh, think about, you know, what we have in common. Um, and you mentioned it many times, Shauna, uh, the people in this industry who want to do uh, what's best for uh, their customers, for their members. Uh, and so it's an opportunity to think about the challenges ahead and to identify those opportunities. And yeah, you know, there is a small um, group that's getting together that's talking about transmission and doing it differently than what we have and than the way we have been doing it. Because as you mentioned, Shauna, status quo, we just, we are not going to have the, um, the grid of the future that, um, you know, we are imagining now without doing something different. Yeah. So there's a group of people getting together to talk about transmission <laughs> solutions Is for the news, the, west, the west or the northwest. Are they? Oh, it's got to be bigger than the northwest. Are Paul. they at the Keys Lounge? <laughs> more to come. More, more to, to come. come. Anything more you can share on this news, or is that a, this just a, a, a group of? Yeah, no, it's okay. informal right now, but I think that there will be something that. Um, uh, for us to share. And uh, really, this needs to be different. It needs to be expedient and it needs to be inclusive. Uh, and a lot of the people involved were involved in the development of the Western Resource Adequacy Program, RAP. And there's a lot of lessons to learn from that. And I think that we have a good foundation to build off of. Good. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, cool. <laughs> News. Yeah. Mark, so what do you think about well, the market evolution? Yeah, I think you hit on probably the central uh, theme there and that decarbonization, the rise of wind and, and solar in other parts of the West has really spurred, I think, much more serious talk about. Mark, I don't think it's any coincidence that the EIM is probably of these initiatives the most successful to date by far, I think $4.2 billion in total benefits. And I think as people see that and as they experience that and they get the benefits for their customers, and I think that will have, have a lot of legs. Um, I'm also kind of intrigued, obviously governance, right, is, is, is maybe the key issue to resolve, so to really bring this uh, bring this home. But I'm kind of intrigued by the, the latest um, uh, idea from some of the state regulators to try to get some kind of independence uh, governance around the West that, you know, somehow incorporates California, but isn't CAISO. Because SPP has, uh, you know, their their uh, a program, I think, has a lot of potential, but it doesn't include California, right? So some melding of those two, uh, those two behemoths, um, I think, is maybe where we're headed, but... Good projection of the future. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the way to solve all that and get it all is everybody freeze, right? You do that freeze and then those few people stop and talk. Well, everything's frozen. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then they get back in position <laughs> with the answer. Well, we had a pause button. <laughs> yeah. No, I like that. Because yeah. it does feel like that sometimes. Like there's just so me, much going on. Just, yeah. If we had a timeout. Stop. A transmission timeout. <laughs> well, thank you. I hope you all enjoyed this. I Before we turn it over to Mark for his closing thoughts, uh, I did want to just express gratitude. Thank you. Did you feel valued and appreciated, Sean? I do. And Good. thank you. This is really fun. I love what you do here. It's very impressive. And well, I've watched others. I don't watch all of them. Some of them are way more technical or... Academic. Academic. Thank you. And... I'm glad to know you're doing it and that I hope the folks that are now engaging, I can let those go because I've got things to do. You do. <laughs> I've, I've got applesauce to make. <laughs> so I watched the inter infotaining ones. Good, good. <laughs> and this one will be a very infotaining I one. I think we But I have that. learned so much from doing this. So yeah. thanks, Paul. This was a great idea. Just, yeah. you know, you matter because you do this. You matter because you put us 
the, because you bring us together and you um, build understanding by doing public power underground. So thank you for doing that. You're welcome. And thank you. Thank you. I hope you feel valued and appreciated. Was this fun? I'm so glad I did this. Yes. Thank you. Good. Thank you for coming together. And Mark, this is my way of saying thank you. And I hope you, appre- I hope you feel the appreciation. Oh, of the I completely community. do. And, and like was, I, I feel like, yeah, this has been a tremendously fun gathering and I've learned quite a bit as well. And it's pleasure to be among such, you know, such smart and engaging and historically knowledgeable people. So well, Mark, thank you. And you've been a tremendous asset to the region too. <laughs> and clearing up really is. And we've known each other quite a while. We have. Yeah. We have. We go back. We go we way go back. back. It gives me, yeah. <laughs> just makes me, I've been very nostalgic. Can you be nostalgic after being gone one year? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> now, There's no statute of limitations on nostalgia. Okay. I well, I was wondering. It sounds like a really old thing. So I'm not really old yet, right? So, but I really do. I've appreciated you all this time and what you guys have done and- um, I told Crystal I was going to bring up a couple of April Fools, uh, April first co- editions, and we didn't get to oh, that. Yeah, we had that idea yeah. of a, a two truths and a lie. Yeah. Send those to our new publisher and to our clearing up team. They are always looking for ideas. Yeah, yeah. Well, Mark, before uh, you know, we wrap up. Uh, thank you for all that you have done at clearing up for the staff there oh, yeah. who care yeah. about um, these issues, who listen, um, who follow up. Uh, and to do, you know, the hard work of, of writing it down. And sometimes it's not always right, um, but you're out there, you're building understanding. Um, and uh, you know, I just appreciate that. And it, it does matter. And it's a very good resource for our region. It's a resource for being more educated about what's going on around us, if, uh, especially if we can't pay attention to it. So thank you. It's uh, how I end my week. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a really good way to stay informed. Because there's so much going on. There's so much going on. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. And and when you say that, I, I you know I certainly um, I think that really speaks to our team. I mean, I'm you know I'm I guess the, the leader for a couple more hours, and Cyrus before me. And I know Cyrus felt the same way that we're we're a product of all the people that work at Newsday. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever you read, it's a team effort all the way around. So, but I'm glad to have value. And I'll say, Peanut and Public Care Underground are two of the best places for community to be expressed. I think there really is an energy community. You all have been part of it. You've all seen it. You've been you've been very active in it. But that's one of the most, I think, striking things about this industry. There's a really, even when people don't agree, and obviously not everybody agrees, even a lot of, <laughs> even a lot of the time. So, but I think there is a palpable sense of community that's really, really fun to be around and really, um, um, really great. So, yeah. Well said. Uh, Public Power Underground is a co-production of News Data and Seattle City Light. You don't have to be subscribed to News Data to get this podcast, but it sure makes the podcast make a lot more sense. You can find episodes of Public Power Underground on Substack, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Uh, special thanks to Public Power Council and specifically Woo-hoo. Karen Heim <laughs> for our copy of the Public Power Chronicle. I'll share a link in the show notes. If any of the friends of the underground want to reach out to PPC to get a copy, please do. They are. It's a great resource for the information and the history of power in the Northwest. Public Power Underground for electric utility enthusiasts. Public Power Underground, it's work to watch. Well, it's been a real honor and privilege for me personally to to work for News Data and to have uh, led it the last uh, 10 years as or so as publisher and editor-in-chief. Um 
I kind of stumbled into energy journalism uh, 32 years ago. Just happened to find a job at News Data, but it's been uh, it's been a tremendously rewarding and fulfilling career with a lot of really fascinating issues like the ones we talked about today. And uh, it's really an honor, privilege, also to be you know uh, be a, I guess I said a member of the the energy community that uh, you all certainly um, represent. I think that's something really um, really special. So, um, you know, looking ahead, I, I personally see a really bright future, both for news data and the electric industry. I know news data, we have new ownership, we have great people in place, uh, we have some service, you know, a lot of new services that we've, uh, that we've offered, and we got a history. So I'm hoping that will continue under the, the new leadership. And I think for the energy industry, you know, with what we've been talking about, looking ahead with things like electrification and decarbonization, it's only going to get more important. And the work that you all do is only going to become more important and really vital for uh, really for our entire uh, society. So I think the future is is really bright. And um, I look forward to following Shauna into retirement and um, learn um, <laughs> learn what that's like. But hope to hope to at least, uh, you know, stay on top to some extent of what's going on. And who knows, maybe even participate in some form or fashion, I think that's still to be determined. But um, thanks very much, Paul. You, Paul Carnegie has become one. I think one of the key, again, sort of uh, forums in the regional energy industry. I, I know a lot of people who listen to it and who really, uh, really get a lot from it. So thank you for that. And Peanut again has been one of the best places to be to find out what's really happening in, in the utility industry, without question. Ever since, ever since the the dawn of time. So, <laughs> so thank you for all that you've done. started in hard times to bring us all in into the laughter through thick and through thin for public power enthusiasts without and within roll on enthusiasts roll on public power underground is a production of seattle city light and news data the views expressed are our own and not the official views of seattle city light tacoma power news data or the organization of the guests also appearing on public power underground Public Power Underground is electric utility and electric utility adjacent topics from a power department's perspective. Today's episode was written and produced by Paul Dockery and Almaz Nagesh, and it's edited and published by the Stellar team at Pioneer Utility Resources with sound mixing by Lucas Smith and video editing by Brendan Delzer. If you are interested in having a podcast edited, published, or produced, please reach out to our friends at Pioneer Utility Resources. Our theme song, Roll On Enthusiast, was rewritten, performed, and recorded by Aaron Guillory and Ian Bledsoe. You can find Public Power Underground on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Please share with electric utility enthusiasts like us and give us a rating or review on the, your app of choice if you enjoyed the content. It helps other energy enthusiasts like us find us. Public Power Underground for electric utility enthusiasts. Public Power Underground, it's work to watch.